Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. This episode of the CMO Podcast is part of our Leadership During Crisis series. For these short episodes, I am inviting back previous guests see how they are leading during the pandemic, how they are addressing new challenges, and how they are providing for their consumers, their employees, and the public during these unprecedented times. On this episode of Leadership During Crisis, I am revisiting my conversation with Linda Boff, who is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer, VP of Learning and Culture, and President of the General Electric Foundation. Linda and I discuss on this podcast the many ways she is dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, all the ways that GE is trying to fight this. She talks about how her life has changed and how she is leading differently. This is my conversation with Linda Boff. Welcome, Linda. So good to see you and so timely to be talking (laughs) with you during this volatile time. You know, you have to be one of the most deeply affected CMOs in the world. I mean, you're in the energy business, you're in healthcare, you're in aviation, you're a truly global company. So tell tell us a bit about what unexpected things you're learning about yourself, (laughs) your team, you know, your life, how you lead. (laughs) I know we're, we're obviously all working remotely, et cetera, et cetera. But what kind of unexpected things have you learned? I I think there may, Jim, not be a single thing in my life right now that is expected. So first of all, it's great to see you. It's great to be on. I've been such a fan of this. I know it's your one-year anniversary, just about. Thank you. Uh, Happy anniversary. I've learned a lot listening to you and the CMOs that have been on. So I'm really honored to be here. You know, GE, as you rightly said, but I'm going to reorder the businesses, um, our highest margin, biggest business is aviation. And energy, healthcare, energy on both the renewable as well as gas power side, obviously, are, are, are big, big parts of our business. But it is hard to imagine a scenario. And, and look, you know, you've done this over the years just as well as I have, scenario planning. How do you scenario plan no planes in the sky for this length of period? It, it's just... I don't want to say it's unfathomable, but it's it's surreal. So um, GE came into 2020 um, after what we called a reset year, where we had focused on strengthening our businesses and deleveraging, and we're feeling no no victory flags. 
Um, but we're feeling pretty good, all things considered. And um, to be sitting here where we are today is sobering. Um, luckily, if you will, you know, when you turn the, the, the age that we have, we turned 128 in mid-April, you know, we've been through challenges before, um, and we'll be through them again. We're confident planes will fly again. We're confident that people will go back to having electric, uh, elective procedures again in healthcare. Obviously the world needs power and renewables. I think the question, and you, you hit on it in many ways, is one of resiliency and leadership, both on a personal level, as well as, frankly, looking around to my colleagues, both inside and outside the company, for how to stay strong in times like this. I, that's what I think about a lot, because you can control what you can control, right? We're doing everything we can to sort of embrace the reality that we're in, redefine winning, even from when we came into the year to now, and execute the plan. But you can only control those things that are, that are um, you know, um, there for you. So I think what is, to me, controllable is leadership and how you show up. So that's what I'm thinking a lot about these days. Are there any rituals, Linda, you know, professionally and personally that you've developed since the crisis has been upon us, you know, two months ago or so that have yeah. been useful for you? Well, I am one of those people that really doesn't like working from home. Never have. It's, I've always felt um, that I do a really nice job compartmentalizing. You know, when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm home, I, I try to sort of, you know, to the degree I can, you know, kind of recharge. And those days are obviously over for all of us. So I absolutely have a ritual. I go to work in the morning. I have a, a little office. You're seeing perhaps a little bit of it in the background. I didn't put on some fancy Zoom background or anything. So, so to me, the going to work is really important. I think what's hard for me, I know, I think for, for many of us is you never really go home from work. And I think that part has been hard. It's been hard on my husband who's here with me, which is I don't turn off at the end of the day and I don't turn off on weekends. Um, so a couple things I've tried to do, you know, just in case it's inspiring. I think when you lead teams, people take your, their cues from, from all of us. So um, I haven't done this as often as perhaps I should, but I've tried when we head into a weekend, if there isn't anything burning, to literally send out a note and say, I'm not working this weekend. I hope you don't either. Because I think sometimes these days, it's so strange, but we have to literally give ourselves permission to stop working and then to not send the 200 emails that follow it. So I think that's important and modeling that behavior is important. A second one I would say, and again, this is so obvious, but, but I think sometimes you still forget it, is the necessity of constant and frequent communications. I cannot speak to my teams enough. I can't do enough Zooms. I can't have enough, you know, sort of quarantinis at the end of the day <laughs> with people just to see their faces. And frankly, none of us have anything new to say most of the time, but it doesn't really matter. You know, you bring a dog on, you bring a kid on. So I think for all of us, just that, that, um, ongoing relentless communications, which, you know, I grew up with, you grew up with is, you know, we have to remember that at these times. 
So let's, let's flip to your post-college years, and I just want to rattle through your career. Porter Novelli, American Museum of Natural History, CMO at iVillage, which is part of NBC Universal, of course, Director of Marketing and Communication at City, 17 years at GE with a mind-boggling scope right now, which we'll talk about in a minute. Now, along that rich career, what's the toughest decision you've had to make in terms of that career? So about three-ish years ago, um, where we had um, a change in chairman at GE uh, and then a change again, um, and it was clearly going to be a long road, um, it would have been easier to leave than to stay, if I'm being really honest. And I think it goes a little bit with what we were just talking about, right? You know, fresh new industry, um, completely new challenge. And I talk about this I, somewhat inside the company. I'm not sure I've talked about it outside the company. I, um, it was tempting at that point to think about, is it just easier somewhere else? And I'm so glad I stayed because there's nothing like, I, I didn't know about COVID at that point, but there's nothing like that feeling of staring up at a mountain and saying, can I actually climb this? Then getting at least a good way up and looking back down again and saying, that was hard, but wow, do I feel like it's been good, not just personally, but I've led a team or teams through this. Um, I've worked really hard. You know, I always talk about work that's hard and fulfilling and work that's hard and exhausting, and it's largely been hard and, and fulfilling. Um, COVID presents a whole new challenge, but it's not a unique one. I think in the last couple of years, it felt as though, um, while other companies had challenges, GE had a, a fair amount of wind in its face. Now we're all in this together. Varying degrees, certainly. Some industries, aviation, hospitality, live events, et cetera, hit harder. Um, but it felt a little lonelier back then. I sort of searched my soul and thought about what it is GE does in the world and the people I work with. And look, there are so many companies that do amazing things. And I, I think we're seeing in some ways, sides of companies we've never seen before through this crisis and sides of people we've never seen before. But I have always felt this immense pride, almost honor to work for a company that um, brings power to places that don't have it, that gives healthcare to folks in remote areas, that, that brings people up and down safely in planes. And it's always felt... Um, like a greater purpose. So that for sure. And then I feel like I work with the best people in the entire world and I have their back and they have mine. And uh, so I'd say it was a combination of those two things. And, you know, one day I just woke up and realized this was the greatest challenge, right? And it doesn't get better than that. Make it easier, but it doesn't get better. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. 
Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. You just referred to purpose and the impact your company makes around the world. Can you talk about that a little bit more? You, you've, you've always been, I think since the beginning, a purposeful organization, going back to Thomas Edison and J.P. Morgan and yeah. other founders. Yeah. So can you speak a little bit more? How do you describe GE and its purpose today mm -hmm. to others? Mm -hmm. And has that changed a bit in the last three or four years? Yeah, you know, yes and no. So I think like um, any company that is purpose mission driven and has been around for a century plus, I think the essence, the DNA, it, there is a constant there. And I think there has been for us in whatever words we've used over the years. And, and we've used some pretty famous words over the years, right? Whether it's bring good things to life, imagination at work, et cetera. Um, ironically, with a chairman that's now 19, 20 months into the job, we rolled out some new words at the beginning of March, very beginning of March. Larry Kolb, our really fabulous CEO, stood up and said, okay, this is what unites us. We rise to the challenge of building a world that works. And I have to tell you, you know, this was, what are we now? May 4th? This wasn't even two months ago. And we had plans, external plans, how we were going to roll this out. There was going to be something called the Summer Olympics in Tokyo in summer of 2020, now a year from now. We had a plan and, you know, the old Mike Tyson phrase, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the nose. So COVID punched us in the nose, just like it punched everybody in the nose. And yet I couldn't be happier that we stood up there, that Larry stood up there in the beginning of March and articulated what it is we do and the reason why. And that's been a touchstone to us. I don't care if we advertise in the Olympics. I don't care if we do any of that. You know, at some point we'll get back to that and maybe you and I will talk about that a little more too. But to, um, to re-articulate why we matter couldn't have been timed better. So. Um, I think you, you know us really well, Jim, and you've been a counselor to, to me and Beth before me and, and others. Um, you've helped us a great deal over the years. And uh, you come from a place that was purpose-driven at P&G. Those things get you through a lot. They really do. I mean, I think it is what gets you up in bed, up in the morning. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're in a time that's going to be it's going to take everything we have to, to get through this and get through it well, given how hard some of our industries have been hit. So it's kind of, you know, being realistic, being optimistic, and equal doses of both. Yeah. When you said yes to join this reset for GE three years ago, mm. you know, what do you feel was the biggest competency or capability you had to help build in marketing at GE as part of this reset? Yeah. Well, interesting question. Um, in some ways, Jim, I feel as though the marketing at GE 
in the last, I mean, listen, Beth gets so much of the credit here, right? To be able to come after, after Beth Comstock is, a, is, is something I'll never get over, right? As long as I live. Um, and Beth sets so much of good emotion. But I actually felt pretty good about how we were going to market and in a couple different ways. One, from a narrative and storytelling point of view, I think that our um, understanding of the brand and the DNA and how to bring that to life on media channels, um, uh, uh, through technology, our voice was actually quite good and in some ways a little bit ahead of its time. I think we were very innovative in our marketing and, and where we showed up. Um, so in a, in a funny way, um, <laughs> recent years have been more about, okay, are we during a challenging time period doing things that are going to move the ship forward and make sure that we're not chasing shiny objects or taking on hobbies? And in some ways, that's, that's been a challenge. I would say um, making sure that we are using data, that we are being precise in the audiences that we target globally, incredibly important. We, you know, our bullseye for our audiences um, certainly has business decision makers in the center of it, our customers. But, you know, when you go through a time like we're all going through now with, with COVID-19, um, our employees and our investors are, are right in that bullseye along with our customers because they've got to have faith in, in us and what we can do and in the long term. So I would say that as we, as we think about our marketing, um, we've just been having this conversation recently. Um, we have about a thousand locations when all is said and done of, of very varying types from, from plants to offices, service centers, repair shops, et cetera. And um, if there ever was an argument for one size fits all, and I say, if, boy, is that blown up now. And being precise and targeted in those messages, whether that's returning to work, whether that's um, how we're serving various customers, um, how we're saluting different types of workers. You know, we have folks right now, right now in Madison, Wisconsin, who have doubled and then doubled again production of ventilators. This is a small business for GE. If you had asked me a year ago if we made ventilators, I'm not sure I would have been able to give you a correct answer. And yet we have people um, who have left their vacations, driven across the country to work in this factory. So, you know, what's the right way to market that? Is there a right way to market that? So, you know, it's, it's just interesting. I find many CMOs, you know, we're all on these various chains and Facebook groups, et cetera, um, being very collaborative about tonality, about what's right and when it's right, um, how to make sure that we're keeping our brands alive, but doing it in a way that is super sensitive these days, and, and rightly so. So I'll turn the table. We have time for one more question. We have a minute or two left. What would you like to ask me, Linda? I guess, Jim, you know, you, you've provided so much sage wisdom to all of us. Um, 
And uh, what is your wisdom these days for marketers as we look toward a path where the, the line of marketing, as we were talking about, is such a, a delicate one and being tone deaf is, is, um, is, is, is so dangerous that I think we're all perhaps being too gingerly. I don't know. So give us your advice on that. Give me your advice. I think it is a new world of brand purpose. And it's about serving others, and it's about actions, and it's about being more consumer-centric than you ever had imagined. Mm -hmm. And I think that will guide you. And I think those brands that we admire right now who are stepping up are doing it in service of others. I mean, I, I was talking to Pedro Air, but at AB InBev the other day, he yes. said, I asked him what he's learned about brand building. He said, forget about brand building. We're not even thinking about our brands right now, to be honest with you. We're thinking about helping people, and that's just the right thing to do. And I see a lot of that now, but I think brand purpose is on steroids now. And those that are real and authentic and acting versus talking are the ones who I think will get through this with stronger organizations and a stronger customer base. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I've probably spent more time this last month in helping to set up GE's Employee Relief Fund, which we're doing from the salary cuts many of us have taken, than I have thinking about, you know, any type of paid media. So I think you're right. It is in the end going to be the actions that we've all taken. So, so, so wise as always. Linda, this has been wonderful. You know, so much good luck to you for, with your company and your health of yourself and your family and your employees. Uh, this has been a real treat reconnecting with you. Uh, you have so many important things to do in the world, especially now in the categories that you were in. So all the best to you and your team. And to you as well, Jim. It's just been my honor. I uh, love talking to you. That was my conversation with Linda Boff. What I really enjoyed about this is her enthusiasm, her optimism, the way she is keeping her team together during these really dynamic times. She is a bright force in our industry, and I just loved her insights. That's it for this episode of our Leadership During Crisis series. We hope you enjoyed this follow-up episode and found value and insight into how these leaders and brands are operating during this pandemic. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, I would be so grateful if you shared it with your friends and if you gave the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Subscribe to the show and get notified every time we publish a new episode. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.